Alicia, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure finally meeting you. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me on. I feel like we've just been connecting so much on Clubhouse and to have this conversation. We've been working towards this for a while, haven't we? Yeah, we have. It's been so long since, you know, we actually started the first schedule, but I know that things work out for good and I'm so excited that this is the time for us to actually get here in September. So finally, you know, to kick off it's something that is looking really good and i know that we're going to have an amazing conversation today especially with the topic i'm sure people are like how did this happen or why does this happen (laughs) so i would love to give you the floor to just let us know more about you what you do and then we can get into this topic today absolutely thank you so uh they call me the prophet queen and for those of you on Zoom, I'm, or I'm waving. They call me the Profit Queen because uh, for the last 14 years, I've had a consultancy firm that helps entrepreneurs who are established maximize their profits. There are so many things that we do that undermine the ROI on our time, on our energy, on our money. And so I come in and I help entrepreneurs figure out how do we maximize all of that to make the most profit that we possibly can. And that's where this topic came from. That's amazing. Speaking of maximizing and putting profits, you know, in place, how has it been, especially like pre-pandemic and now post-pandemic or still within the pandemic era? I don't know what to call it anymore. How has it been when it comes to clients actually gaining those maximum um, potential efforts? You know, I have to tell you, when COVID first hit in 2020, for the people that I was working with who did not have a digital presence, it was really shocking to uh, their bank accounts. So we immediately moved to, and this is one of the things that I help my clients do, additional streams of revenue. How do we get your products and your services online so that people don't have to come to your brick and mortar place or they don't have to meet you face to face? This is even with um, attorneys and CPAs and things like that, that you would traditionally think would not have an opportunity to work with you from a digital standpoint. And so we have moved them, my clients, into that arena. So now they have both. So they have the option. There's one thing that we learned from 2020. It's uh, you've got to have multiple ways to have access to your clients and give your clients access to you. Mm. Speaking of clients, how do you fire (laughs) your clients? (laughs) I don't even know if I'll ever do that, but maybe we'll see. (laughs) Have you ever fired a client before, Favor? No, to be honest, I have not. Sometimes I I cherish my clients so much, like I actually want them around. But if you fire them, it means that something really went wrong. It's true. And so it starts to... a couple of answers to your question. How do you fire your client? It's tough. It's not something, it's not a position where you want to find yourself. And so the way to avoid that is to make sure that at the beginning you've identified, I know we've talked about this many times in Clubhouse, you've identified your ideal client avatar, you know exactly who it is that you want and also who you do not want as a client. 
So that's step one. Step two is making sure that you have some kind of a filtering process, whether it's、uh, interview questions that you're asking in your prospects,、uh, an online application you're having them complete, maybe even questionnaire. That's what I use when I have somebody that approaches me that wants to work with me. There's a questionnaire that they have to ask, and I've learned over the years what questions to ask. To pop up both the green flags, like yes, this is going to be somebody amazing, or the red flags, like ooh, I need to do a little bit more digging, or this is a hard pass. No, I'm not going to work with this person. So if you have those things up front, which I've heard you say on Clubhouse, a lot of entrepreneurs do not have. They don't know their ideal client avatar. They don't know. How, they don't have filtration systems. So what ends up happening is I will get a client who just took anybody and everybody on、uh, as their client, as their customer, and they're in a place where they're going. I'm spending so much time serving people who don't value it, who don't pay me on time. Who are super picky, very demanding, and they're not having any fun. They don't have the joy of their business anymore, and they're ready to throw in the towel. And that's when we go through my fire your client framework.、Mm, I love that. And those green and red flags are really important. Can you be able to give us one example of a green light and a one example of a red light? Absolutely, sure, I can. Okay. So、uh, I'll share. I'll share with me. I've got so many examples. I'm having a hard time thinking of just one for each. Okay. So a green flag for me would be somebody that's coachable. So I'll give you a red flag opposite of that. So I remember I was approached by a prospect. Who wanted some business consulting from me? And one of the questions that I asked, which is part of my filtration system, qualification system, was, "Tell me why you're interested in hiring a business consultant." And her answer was, "Well, everything in my business needs to change. I don't need to change. In fact, nothing about me needs to change. But everything else in my business needs to change." Huge red flag for me. Because that's telling me this is somebody who's not willing. You know, this idea of coaching and consulting—it's a process, and at times it can be really uncomfortable. Because part of my job is to hold a mirror up to folks so that they can see some things that they haven't been able to see before, confront them, fix them, change them. So when she said that to me, I thought this is a person who is not coachable. So this is not going to work for me. Now she may be a great candidate for somebody else, but for me, she's not. Another red flag, green flag for people. Some of my clients, price is an excellent qualifier. So even though I know this is true of you, Faber, you're very much community-minded and philanthropy-minded. You like to give back to the world, as do I. At the same time, we're not nonprofits, right? We've right. got to we've got to make money, and、uh, price is a fantastic qualifier because that lets you know what the person puts value in. Do they put value in how much they have to pay? So, for example, if they ask right at the beginning, Alicia, before we get started, or one of my CPA clients, for an example, before we get started, can you tell me how much it is to prepare a tax return? 
If that's the first thing that they're asking, then that tells you where they are from a financial standpoint. Whereas if the questions they're asking are, can you tell me about your process? Can you tell me about some of the people that you've worked with in the past? What kind of results have you gotten for your clients? That tells you something else about your mindset. So that's definitely a green flag. Yeah. Does that help? That helps a lot because when you started mentioning about price, I was like, this is spot on. Because you know how some people put prices for clientele or even courses that are so far to reach. But if you get one or two sales, that's enough to move that needle to the next point. But some people think that, okay, the low ticket offer is going to allow me to filter people. But at the same time, it's not so substantial enough to validate them. So how do you, how do you vary? Like, how do you like, what's the word I'm looking for? How do you distinguish between a low ticket offer that is serious or somebody who's serious with that low ticket offer and somebody who actually gets a high ticket offer and is not as serious? That's a good question. So let me just repeat it back because I want to make sure that I'm answering the right way. So how do I distinguish between someone who is serious, whether it's a low ticket or a high ticket offer? Is that the, is that the question? Yeah, typically that way. So that if, if one side of the extreme is low and that person is serious, you can see that in them. But if somebody says, okay, yeah, I'll pay you that $2,000. But the next minute you get on a call with them, they're stressing you out. <laughs> Speaking from experience, right? Yes. (laughs) Oh goodness. So, my advice on that is that price is just one of one of the qualification factors, not the only qualification factor. So, you need to determine what are the top three characteristics, qualities not just about the business. It's very easy to say, I want to work with this type of demographic. That's not what I'm talking about. Demographics are not the things that make a good or a bad client. What makes a good or a bad client is their characteristics. Mm -hmm. So you've got to identify what are the top three most important internal characteristics that a client has that will help you help them the best. Yeah. And then equally as important, what are the top three that will make them a bad fit as a client for you? And then structure questions around those things. So I'm going to tell you that even though I have a membership community uh, and several things that I do, when it comes to my time with someone, there is always an application that needs to be filled. Price is just one of the qualifying factors. It's never the only qualifying factor. I love that. I love the fact that you actually we have to pre-qualify them because when you get that response and the way they even type, it tells you how they think in a way. Mm, yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And how has this like helped you to scale? Because you know, sometimes when you think about those milestones, you want to expand from that. Is there a way to expand from that point? Absolutely. So for example, um, 
in a membership community. That's an excellent example. There, there are two kinds of membership communities. And so if you're a knowledge guru and a membership community is one of the ways that you want to start to build your wealth, there are two, there are two kinds. There's one that's just subscription based, which is, I don't care who you are, just pay me and we're done. And that's it. Go access the information and have fun with it. And maybe you'll have access to me, maybe you won't. That's one mindset. Another is more of the community mindset. And the membership communities that I have seen that have been tremendously successful are the ones that are curated in favor, the ones where the owner of the community is carefully selecting who gets to be a part of it and who doesn't, uh, who really kind of puts the smack down on poor behavior within the community. They work hard to create a place that is safe and full of trust, as well as all the other things, learning, access, and, and those kinds of things. So it's 100% realistic to be able to scale in that kind of scenario with a qualification system. Okay. I like that because now that means that the people that are being pre-qualified or the ones that are qualified start to make the moves because those are your case studies that are going to help you get the more clients that you actually need for your ideal client avatar. That's right. I, I can share a personal success story with you about this. I started uh, in San Antonio, Texas, which at that time was the eighth largest city in the United States. I started the very first small business boot camp and I made the application process, the acceptance process to that boot camp so hard that by the time people came in, now this was a face-to-face -face scenario, this wasn't a digital scenario, but it can be replicated digitally. By the time the people got into the boot camp, they were so excited that they had actually passed all the pre-qualification tests. They hadn't learned a thing, they hadn't sat down and heard a thing, but the fact that they had to work so hard to get approved to have a spot in this boot camp, uh, it was an accomplishment and nothing had even happened yet. Mm. That's beautiful. That already tells me that you're already conditioning your clients or your clientele right before they get in because that's really where the change begins because those questions are going to make them think do i really want this because some people think they do and they're like oh i don't have this oh i don't have this okay i'm gonna wait for two months and then they come back and they're ready some people are just ready off the bat but sometimes you have to see who is ready and who's not and sometimes you can't tell that because they're not even ready themselves yes i can't add anything to what you just said that was perfect Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so glad that you're able to bring this because now I'm thinking about wealth building, generational wealth building. Now, if we look at it from the point of being wealthy, what does it mean? Because some people think wealth is money. Some people think it's family. Some people think it's legacy. So how does this play into the role of actually building that persona? 
I can, I can only answer this from a personal standpoint. I think it's a very personal decision for everybody how they define wealth. This is, this is how I look at it, Faber. If you came to me and said, Alicia, I just spent all my savings. I don't have any money left and I need to make more money. I can show you a hundred different ways to make more money and we'll do it. We'll do it together, right? But once you spend your time, it's gone. I can't help you with that. You, you cannot manufacture more time. So for me, wealth is much more than money. It is, do I have the time in my life to be able to do the things that are important to me, to be able to fulfill my God-given purpose on this earth, to be able to be with family, to be able to enjoy life. Yes, work hard, but also to do the things that will bring me fulfillment and that will also serve others. That for me is the definition of wealth. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so committed to the process that I use, which is it's life first business consulting, which is too often entrepreneurs and, and your audience might relate to this as entrepreneurs I, I hate this hustle culture like we gotta hustle we gotta grind it out let's just keep working let's just keep going and doing there are times that that's appropriate in a business that would be for example when we're launching something or when we're making a major shift or when we're doing some kind of massive scale up we are going to be hustling there's a lot of time and energy that we have to put into that but if we are in a constant grind that's where i want to talk to you as an entrepreneur because something needs to change we need to put a different system in place we need to do some mindset work uh, there's a lot of things that we can do and that I've helped my clients with so that they have the freedom, which ironically is what causes them to want to start their business in the first place, right? To right. be able to have financial freedom, t flexibility in their time, but somehow that gets lost. So for me, wealth is very much about time, freedom, and flexibility more so than it is the money. I love that. Time is priceless. And when you think about time and building time around your business, how important is this for the clients as well to know how they can conduct it? Because you know how you're coaching them and you're consulting them. And most of the times they're the ones to make that decision to make the next move. You can inspire them, but they're the one that's going to make that action move or that next step. So what if someone is not sure yet? Is there a way to train them to get to that point or do you just fire them because they're not ready? <laughs> People are going to start calling me the axe queen instead of the profit queen. <laughs> um, it's a process. And especially because I work with established entrepreneurs, primarily I do work with newbies, but primarily with established entrepreneurs. There's a pattern of behavior, like this kind of behavior did not just start overnight. They've got some things, some habits and some mindsets that have caused them to behave the way that they're behaving. And so it takes patience, it takes digging, it takes understanding so that they can start to release some of these uh, ideas that they have 
so that they can be free to, I'm gonna say it, fire their clients. I can give you an example. I have a CPA who's a client I've been working with her for several years, and uh, she's been extremely resistant to firing her clients. And she's chosen instead to live in the grind. When you're an accountant, there are two times of the year you've got IRS deadlines in the United States, you've got to meet. And if you don't meet those deadlines as a CPA, your clients are in trouble. And so 80, 120 hours a week. And we finally got to the bottom of it. I, I took her through a process where she was able to identify that the reason she was not taking action to fire some of her clients, which absolutely needed to be gone, is because the business ethic that she got, she got from her grandparents. Her grandparents owned a flower farm back in the 1970s, and she grew up helping her grandparents run that farm. Her grandparents took anybody as a client. Her grandparents allowed people to come to their house at nine o'clock at night and say, I have an emergency. Can you please give me a dozen roses? It didn't matter. They did not have standards in terms of what they were taking on as clients. And they worked 24 seven. So my client, the CPA, that got embedded in her business DNA. And once we were able to identify that, I asked her some questions, which are, have things changed since the 1970s from a business standpoint? Yes, they have. How are these business beliefs of your grandparents? They served them. How are they serving you or are they sabotaging you? And that question allowed her to take a step back and understand they're sabotaging me. They're keeping me from moving forward and doing what I need to do. In favor, it was this massive breakthrough for her, but it came down to understanding why she was doing what she was doing. And then at that point, we went through my fire your clients framework where she actually started letting go of the clients that were not serving her well. That's beautiful. I think at this point, somebody now has more confidence to fire their client because now they know why they need to. You know, initially you're thinking, okay, I'm going to fire you, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. <laughs> you, you know, you know that's something that people are thinking, that's what you're doing, but essentially that's not it. You're supposed to fire the person that's not taking you further. So it's really good that I was able to hear this today. Now, I'm also thinking about the clients themselves. What happens? Because, you know, like in a relationship, you know, when you break up or anything, things just fall out. But business wise, how much ties are connected to a point where you can just fire them? Like, let's say you have a commitment or there's a pending payment or there's a contract or there's something that's keeping you together. How do you balance that when you're firing them in the process? Well, so a couple of different answers to that question. One is sometimes payments bounce. Maybe somebody's credit card has expired and they forgot about it. So in those circumstances, you need to give a little bit of grace and reach back out. If it's a consistent issue where you're not getting paid or, oops, sorry, I forgot to, I forgot to do this or that or the other then that's a systemic issue. That's not just a, oh, I forgot to put in my new credit card information. 
So at that point, it's having a conversation with the client. And it can happen a couple of different ways. So I was just uh, doing some consulting work with a podcaster uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, about two weeks ago. And he had been working with a client who had promised to pay him all year. Okay, we're September, right? At that point, it was August. He had done an incredible amount of work and had been paid a grand total of $500. That's it. So he was asking me for advice. Obviously, this was a client that he needed to let go of. And I'll share with you and your audience what I share with him about how to have that conversation. He wrapped up the project that they were working on. And he said to him, and this is a great strategy to use, things are changing in my business. Favor, I have got new things coming. I'm so excited. I'm going to tell you all about it next week. And if we continue to work together, you're going to love what I have to offer. Boom, planting a seed, right? Then a week later, he went back to his client, and this is what I would advise. Favor, here's how I'm working moving forward. I'm doing this. My fees are going up. I'm accepting a limited number of clients, and 50% payment is due up front. The next 50% is due in two weeks. If this is something that you're interested in and you still want to continue our work together, I'm going to send you a questionnaire to complete so that we can scope out the project. Mm. That's it. That's it. Now, because this client was not interested in paying him any more money, the beautiful thing was the client deselected himself. So it wasn't an issue where my podcasting client had to say, you're fired. No, it was more of, here's what's happening. Here's what's coming in the future. Here's the new thing that I'm doing. Here's how I'm working with my clients. If you're interested, I'll send you a link for the application. That's it. That's classic. You were so quiet. I was like, uh-oh. No, I'm just processing because that makes total sense. You know, if you deselect yourself, then you pretty much fire the, you fire the, whatever you want to call it, it's happened, you know? So that really changes how you think about your business. And I think one thing I also know is like people take you seriously when you take yourself seriously. So uh, it's, it's very true. different. Right. And, and I know that that client probably felt it, but understood that this person is moving up and moving forward. Just like your rent changes every year or, or your gas price changes, you're not going to complain with the teller or the person who's giving you that opportunity. You just have to fall through it. So if you don't get it, you don't get your gas. It's just so simple. And I love the fact that you're able to put it out that way. Yes, because you see, just to add on to what you're saying, Favor, we never want to shame our clients, okay? Because 
they're human beings. We always want to treat anybody that we work with with the utmost of respect, but we also need to set our boundaries. One of the things that any of my clients will tell you, it's it's a mantra, it's stuck in their heads because I say it a hundred times. We train people how to treat us. We train people how to treat us, and especially our clients, we train them how to treat us. So in this process of of letting them go and move on, we want to make sure that we're treating them with dignity, that we're treating them with respect, so that when they leave, they still feel good about who they are as a person. Because that person, even though they're not working with you anymore, if you leave them feeling respected, they can still be a source of referrals for you. Mm, That's true. I definitely see that because that's where referrals now come in. You know, you've built a case study, there's a review, and then there's a referral that follows because somebody has been able to validate your work without working with you directly. Absolutely. You nailed it. Yes. That's amazing. I'm just taking it in because I know the audience is like, oh yeah, we know that. Oh, we never knew that. Oh, okay. This is nice. (laughs) This is a great conversation and I love that we've brought this this month because we're getting towards the end of the year and people are, are thinking about what can I change now? What can I start focusing on? What haven't I touched on before now? Because when we start getting to Ember months, we know we're about to get to the next year. So for people who are thinking about firing their clients, what are the best practices they can do? on top of what you said so that they don't feel like they're being overwhelmed or pressured to do what they're supposed to do without having to figure out their plan, like their future goals. You know, you don't want to fire someone without having a plan. You know, you don't get let go if there's no budget. So there's some things that you have to focus on. So what can they look at as entrepreneurs who could be starting or, you know, they're established and they're probably trying to elevate to the next level? Great question, because there are several things that you have to take into consideration. Um, the first thing that I would say, and and this is part of what I teach when I work with clients one-on-one, it's also a whole content category in my membership community as well, this Fire Your Clients Framework. The first thing that you have to evaluate is, uh, as I said before, who you want to work with. Then we go through a client segmentation process. So you identify who are your A-level clients, I mean your superstars, the ones that you love working with, the ones that value you, appreciate you, are going to be able to give you those positive testimonials and reviews, super important. And then you need to identify who are you, your, what I call your C-level clients. These are the ones that are easy to identify. When you see an email from them, you dread it. Or if your phone rings, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't <laughs> want to answer that phone call. Ah, make them go away. Uh, they don't pay you. They complain. They're high maintenance. Uh, your audience is full of a lot of creatives. So these are the ones that tend to do the scope creep. Right. Well, can you just do this one other thing for me? Maybe just this additional thing for me. These are the C-level clients. These are the ones that you need to get rid of. And I'm going to say why, and then I'm going to answer your question. Okay. When you have these C-level clients gone, 
your time and your energy is freed up to serve your A-level clients even better, deeper, stronger. You, as an example favor, you have so many things that you can offer to your clients. Not just one thing, many things, just like your audience. But if you're spending all your time working for these C-level clients, you're drained of your energy and your time. So once they're gone, you have the opportunity to really more deeply serve your best clients. And that's where the wealth building comes in because you're able to offer multiple products, multiple services, more time, which is also billable. All right, so I kind of went on a rant there. Pardon no, me. I love that. <laughs> to, to, that's where the building your wealth by firing your clients comes from. That's yeah. how it works. But you're right. You do have to do some evaluations. So once you know who your target market is, once you've segmented your clients, you need to look, number one, at where you are financially. If you're in a place where you really can't pay the electric bill this is not a good time to fire your client this might be a good time to try to up level your client and sell some additional services the other thing that you need to look at let's say that you're in a little bit of a financial crunch is you need to weigh the possibility of how much more your a-level clients will spend with you if you have more time to devote to them if the answer to that is, I think that I can increase my up sales by 20% uh, across the board, 30% across the board by having more time to serve them, then firing your clients, your C-level clients, that becomes a no-brainer because very quickly you're going to be able to realize and obtain the income that you lost from the C-level clients. The, the other thing that I would say is, you need to be objective about these C-level clients. Are they really paying you? Because most often when I'm working with my clients and we sit down and I have them do a spreadsheet for me, I'm going to create these hit spreadsheets, but <laughs> I have them do a spreadsheet for me. You got to do some analysis. You're in business. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, I have them do a spreadsheet for me so they can see in black and white how much they actually got paid by this C-level client. It blows their mind, blows their mind. And they realize, you know, it's not going to be that big of a loss for me to let this person go. So you don't have to create this massive 18 month uh, plan, strategic plan for your business in order to do this. What's important is that you start taking action now to let these people go so that you can serve your best clients deeper, stronger, and make more money. That's spot on. And that's a mic drop. <laughs> Boop. Wow. Thank you so much for highlighting this. I really appreciate your time. This has helped a lot of people to open up their eyes and see past their clients, see past their papers, and see how they can be able to move forward without feeling apologetic about the decisions because that's really where you make those changes and change is inevitable but you have to adapt to it to you know contain it so i'm so glad you're able to bring this today alicia oh thank you so much for having me as you can tell i'm super passionate about this 
about this process and it truly is a game changer for your audience if you do this if you will take the time to do this it will change everything for you it's what changed everything in my business which is why it's so important for me to share this with other people so thank you you're welcome you're most welcome anytime i know you have so many things that you're working on right now especially in this new month so please let them know where they can connect with you and if there's anything coming up it would be great for them to know so they can tap in ah fabulous thank you thank you yes i do have something very exciting that is starting on september 20th it is a free five-day challenge called credibility that converts so if you're tired of hustling and trying to prove to people that they need to work with you this is the program 20 minutes a day give me 20 minutes a day for five days and you're going to have an abundance of testimonials that you can use online anywhere i'm giving you worksheets checklists templates scripts all kinds of things to help you harness the power of testimonials to build your online credibility and where people can go to find this is uh, very easy i'm going to take a moment so that if anybody needs to grab a pen paper or type in their laptop it's this the link is bit.ly bit.ly forward slash the credibility challenge so bit.ly forward slash the credibility challenge they can also find this on my website which is brilliant smb as in small to medium sized business brilliant smb.com and uh, that would be a great place for them to go where they can get more information and uh, yeah i also have a membership community i'm accepting applications for that they can find that on my website as well but this credibility challenge has made a big difference for a lot of my clients it's 100 free so i would love to meet your audience in there they can also find me on facebook under alicia maples and uh, clubhouse wherever you're hanging out i like to hang out so. exactly <laughs> i'm in your group too i'm in your group which if anybody's listening to this who is not in favors facebook group you need to get in there now i the value that you add is uh, it's off the chain it's amazing thank you so much i really appreciate that and i know i'll definitely look forward to connecting with your audience as well and i know people would definitely love to be part of that challenge Thank you. I hope I see you in it too. I know, definitely. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I could. I, I like to take a challenge. <laughs> All right, we're in it. We're in it together, yeah, man. Exactly. Thank you. You're most welcome. Wishing you a wonderful, wonderful day ahead. You too, favor and best wishes to your audience. You guys can do this. You can do it. You can fire your clients. And you're going to be so surprised and excited at the results that it's going to get from your business. That's facts. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Faber. Bye.